I'm tired. I'm wasted. I love you, Gerald. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald is back in the saddle, and of course, Nick is along for the ride as well. Nick, what's up, brother? I did not hit her. It's not true. Hi. How's it going, buddy? Uh, What's up, man? How are you? Our first ever roulette review tonight. We're doing a... We spun the wheel a couple weeks ago, and we landed on Nick. So Nick got to choose the movie that we reviewed, and he chose The Room from Tommy Wiseau from 2003. I had never seen it, which is a point of reference for tonight. I Aside from seeing, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 clips over the years, I've never seen the movie. And you saw The Disaster Artist. I did see the Disaster Artist, and I actually rewatched that one as well this weekend. Oh wow! Uh, okay, I did a double. I did a double feature. So wow. Okay, we'll get into all that uh, up top here, real quick. I want to say thank you to Brad, our boy from the Cinema Guys, who came over last week and filled in for me. You guys did a great job covering the Last Voyage of the Demeter, which was a film that I didn't expect you to like, and you dug it. I think you gave it a seven, which is a great score from you. I did. That was your score too. It was, yeah, we matched up. I'm sorry I didn't get your text. I was really drunk that evening. That no, you, you know what? The, the best part for me was, and like when I didn't hear back from you, I was like, because I, I, I had to text you to like figure out how to do like the StreamYard thing and everything like that. Yeah, right. And so I had to get in touch with you. And and then I didn't hear back from you again. And I was like, you know what? He went off to go enjoy his vacation. And that's yeah. the most important thing that you should do. So I'm, I'm really glad that you did that and, and had a good trip with the family and everything. It's funny too, man, because thank you for that. But it's funny because my phone does this thing where, and I set it up like two years ago where at 10 o'clock it goes into do not disturb. Mm, yeah. And I think, I think you had texted me the first question prior to 10 and then you did the follow-up text after 10. So I didn't even get it till the next morning because my phone was on D and D, but, but yeah, I was also a little, I was a little tipsy. So uh, my score <laughs> may have, may not have been straight at, at that time, but. <laughs> Yeah, I dug that film, and I loved hearing you guys talk about it. So a big big shout-out to Brad, and I'm glad that he was able to keep the ball rolling here on the new format and and uh, joined us last week, so that was awesome. And it's yeah. like I don't even need to be here, but I came back. I'm back. It is. It's, it's, it's true, and somehow you got back in the door. I don't know how, but, I mean, I guess yeah, welcome back. Me. I know the audience must have missed you, though. I know, I know they love those beautiful, sultry, sultry tones that pour out of your bearded face, so... That's yeah, welcome happens, back, yeah. and I'm really, really glad that you had a good vacation. That, that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, it was great, man, and I was telling you I'm back to work tomorrow, which kind of sucks, but, uh, you know, life goes on. It is what it is. You know, vacations are great, and we got to spend some good family time, so thanks for holding it down while I was out, man. Now, the room we're discussing tonight, but before we get there, of course, Nick, we're going to dive into one big question. You've got to ask yourself a question. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? I'm so so I, I apologize so so much, audience, for the one that you heard two weeks ago because I tried mm. to remove the background noise from that dirty hairy clip and it wasn't having it and it sounded mm. like it was playing in an ocean gate submarine. Well, that's all right. 
I appreciate you coming up with a jingle. I'm just, I love it. And hearing Kelly do that, I would listen to that every week, which I guess I will. So that's great. So one big question, I got mine. I came up with it a couple of days ago when I was watching actually the disaster artist. Cause I did a double feature. I was telling you. Oh, um, okay. So I kind of thought of it as I was watching that, which was, you know, obviously related to the room, but I have kind of a general question that disaster artist kind of, brought to mind for me that I want to ask you, but do you, you you just came up with yours. You were telling me, so do you want me to go first or? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So James Franco, I feel like missed out. It was a snub that year. I mean, his performance as Tommy and the disaster artist, he really, really embodied that character and became that dude and did this kind of delicate thing where it was kind of like funny because obviously people poke fun at the room, which I mean, that's what you do. But it was also kind of like beautiful and like tragic. And it really captured kind of both sides of what I feel like Tommy was at that point in his life. And I thought James yeah. Franco did a really, really good job to bringing that to life for us and kind of the behind the scenes vision that we didn't really get prior to that movie. So it got me thinking, Nick, what actor working today would you trust to really get your message out there? That would really do you justice and would be the true Nick on screen. The true Nick on screen. That would embody your worst Ooh. parts and it would, would embody the best of you. And Wow. You know what? I'm going to – so I've got, I've, got a, I've got a fun answer and I've got the serious answer. Okay. All right. And so the fun answer, because everybody tells me that – I look like him or that he looks like me and he also has really like like loud and like hoarse obnoxious kind of laugh like I do sometimes. <laughs> Everybody always tells me like how much I'm like Seth Rogen. So mm. Seth Rogen's my fun answer because okay. I always get that I always get that from people that I look like Seth Rogen or like whatever the the case is. I don't think my laugh is not as bad as his like nah. <laughs> my nah, laugh is yeah. not like that so i don't think i have nah. i think he's got me beaten on the laugh but uh that's my fun answer that's my fun answer uh depending on what kind of movie you're trying to make but like my serious answer just because dude's got like impossibly amazing range even though i wasn't a fan of him in his latest performance in the flash michael shannon i love him he's good at oh, everything yeah. the, his range he could he could pull he could pull off this no problem. He could do sure. this in a heartbeat. Sure. Actually, I like the Rogan answer, too, because Rogan's got a little bit of range, too. I mean, he's done some, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's known for comedy, but I mean, you know, he, he can he can get down. With he, the can, dramatic he, stuff he, can, he can put the chops on when he really wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought of one for me would be J.K. Simmons. And I don't know if it's because the gray beard and the bald head and kind of aging a little bit, but I feel like J.K. Simmons would really bring out the best like animated qualities of me and be really boisterous, but he could also be super calm and collected. And I, that's the first actor that came to mind. We'd get more of a Juno kind of yeah. JK Simmons in a performance of Gerald. Not mm -hmm. so much, uh, not so much a like Spider-Man, like nah. J Jonah Jameson kind of performance. Cause that's right. not, that, that, you're, you're not that, but yeah, I, I, he does that kind of quiet subdued thing really well too, though. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe a touch of the whiplash in there depends on how mad somebody makes you. Like when you're sometimes when you're arguing with Dan, you just want to whip a chair across the, the room say, at him. Yeah. <laughs> the scenes the scenes with Dan, yeah. I've definitely whiplashed JK Simmons. <laughs> Who's gonna play Dan? 
Let's cast Dan. I want to cast Dan in this movie. Mm. Who's, who's playing Dan? And, and he's being both of ours because we both we both know Dan pretty well. He's been a part of both of our lives. Hmm. Hmm. What's the uh? What's the, what's that guy that was in um, Revenge of the Nerds? And he was in a lot of the eighties uh, Belushi comedies. No, 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 no. Not Belushi, uh, no. Uh, oh, oh I'm, man, I'm picturing it, but I'm not. And it makes me think of Dan when I have to see that guy. <laughs> Do you have one for Dan? I don't know who Dan would. I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough because you got to pull. You got to pull somebody who can be like who could just not care, but at the same time, like when when like if if I'm, if like if I'm ever playing FPS games with Dan or like he just gets animated. You know how animated Dan can get. So it's got to be yeah. somebody who's got the energy of energy. It's like it's got to be like. Beyond anger. Whoever plays the hockey coach in Letterkenny can capture the anger of Dan. But maybe not the range to capture all of Dan. I'm thinking of Curtis Armstrong, the guy that played Booger in Revenge oh. of the Nerds. <laughs> Why am I thinking of that guy for Dan? Dan, I love you. I'm sorry. He was in a risky business, better off dead. He was, in a, he was a huge, huge star in the 80s. Wow. But I don't know why the '80s version of Curtis Armstrong came to mind. So anyway, all right, you got a question for me, bud? All right, I do. So you riffed on the disaster artist for your question, and I thought of the same thing for my question. But my big question, G, what other so bad it's good movie? Because that is the legacy of this movie. It's considered one of those movies that's quote unquote so bad it's good. What So Bad It's Good movie should get the Disaster Artist treatment? Now, that was one of my favorite movies of 2017, I think it was, when it came out. Because you're exactly right. It takes this, it doesn't It doesn't mock it. It has fun with it, but it doesn't mock the room, mm-hmm. like, knowing it's one of these, like, really, really bad movies. You right. know, it's not mocking of it and and it, and it treats it in a way of it really respects it in, in in its own way and what it's able to achieve what it's able to accomplish whatever what other so bad it's good movie should get that disaster artist treatment do you think hmm. and i know there've already been some like burton did what was the was it the guy that did uh, play 9 from outer space or whatever Oh, Ed Wood, yeah. Ed Wood, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was more about him as a filmmaker as opposed right, right. to... But yeah, there was like a if, lot of... Um, if you could have, like, just, just like the straight-up recreations of scenes, like, literally perfect and, 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 and all that stuff, like, literally the disaster artist-level treatment. Yeah, um, I mean, I can't think of another one, and it's the first one that popped in my head because... I freaking love this movie and I love the actor slash comedian that helmed it. And he was kind of like a big deal in the early to mid nineties. Paulie Shore. Did you ever see son-in-law where he like lives on a farm and he's from, you know, he's a surfer dude from Cali. I mean, it's a Paulie Shore movie, buddy. Exactly. So you don't have to, you don't have to tell me it's bad, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> but, it, but I was a huge fan of it. And like, you know, I was kind of a stoner at that time in my life, but going forward now, I still love it. And I'm always like kind of fascinated that people like hate it so much. And also kind of knowing, I feel like it would be super interesting to get the right actor to play Pauly Shore and kind of try to figure mm. out what it was like to be him at that point. Cause mm-hmm. he was huge. Like he was yeah, doing he the was. MTV thing and you've got to imagine he was living a hundred miles an hour every day and just, you know, 
Uh, so I don't know. I feel like that would be an interesting, you know, and the, and the son-in-law and some other stuff that he did could be kind of filming on at the same time, kind of like what they did in the disaster artist as well. I mean, like for me, it's just, yeah, God, who plays Pauly Shore in that, in that action? We don't I have know. to answer that, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of well, trying to think I of. I think it would be plays Pauly Shore. I, I, I'm, I'm so. You'd have to get an unknown probably. You'd have to get somebody that is young and up up and coming and is unknown. I feel you know like. what I really want to see, you know, like all those YouTube reacts, like people do YouTube reacts for movies. They've never seen like first time watching this yeah. first time watching this or whatever. I want someone that's like 18 years old to just watch nothing but like 90s stoner movies, like 90s Polly Shore movies, 90s Brendan Fraser movies, not the mummy, but I'm talking like Encino man, like all that Encino kind of man, stuff. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. yeah, like I want somebody who just watches only those movies and just yeah. like, straight up 100% serious reviews of them. I, I I really wonder if that stuff holds up today. I was going to say and how it stands today. It's I mean, it's hard because like I lived through it. So I don't look at it through that lens of somebody yeah. that wasn't around at that era. So for me it's like perfectly normal. It's like be- like one of my favorite movies is Reality Bites, which mm-hmm. I you know is just like 1990s like grunge aesthetic and like but yeah. I lived through that, you know. So I've had people watch it today and they're like what this sucks like what are you talking about <laughs> so well it's like I me for it's... like american pies like that for me where i i know believe me i know how problematic it is but mm-hmm. like i was literally graduating from high school at the time that movie came out so those characters right. are going through the same thing that i'm going through not necessarily with the scoring aspect of it necessarily but you know the the just kind of like getting ready to move on to that next stage of your life sort of thing in 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 high school or whatever and then you know i yeah so i that movie always has a special place in my heart just because of that you know so mind g i I was just on so wizard not too long ago to do this because they hit a thousand dollars during their live stream for the cure segment and we reviewed neil breen's fateful (laughs) findings i don't care what neil breen movie it is you pick you take your pick of the neil breen movie Even if it's Twisted Pair, like, I need to see, like, the the behind-the-scenes making of, like, someone getting a paper printout of a mustache taped to their face. I need that in my life. I need to see that, like, behind the scenes and see, like, someone dive into the genius of Neil Breen and and explore that. That was a lot of fun uh, going on So Wizard to talk about that movie. If you go check that out. But that any Neil Breen movie, I don't care what it is. Just sign me up. I'm there. hundred <laughs> percent. Those guys were great. I heard you discussing that with them when you went on there a few weeks ago. So I, I need to check that out. But if the room is any indication, then I don't know if I'm ready for it, man. All right. So that was it for one big question. Now, uh, Nick, you and I go back a long ways, buddy. I know you yep. love this film. Yep. I can probably guess your score before you put it up on the screen. Yep. And so can anyone else that probably knows you <laughs> in any capacity. <laughs> Which is great. I'm glad that you are who you are and this movie means what it means. All right. Uh, We're going to be okay. I just want you to know that. The show is six weeks old now in this, you know, new iteration. It's going to be all right, man. All right. Uh, I just had, I I have a whole thing after this score reveal that we're going to get into. A whole discussion I want to have with you, an explanation of my actions. I apologize up front. But... Early wow. score reveal for the room, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Yeah. Nick, you ready? Damn it. This always happens. I think I'm going to score, and then I never score. It's not fair. 10 out of 10, baby. A freaking two, bro. Now, now that's it. Now. A freaking two. 
two out of ten for me. A numero dose. Nick left the stream. How how dare you, sir? Hold on. How I think my I think my you. I think my stream yard was confused even when I gave it a two. It started <laughs> I started freezing up there and then I don't know what was happening. Going forward, uh, no spoiler section this week because this movie is 20 years old. There's not really a whole lot of anything to spoil in it anyway, kind of. Most people know what this movie is, and if you're here for this movie, you kind of already understood the assignment. So, yeah, no spoiler section or anything like that this week. We're going to dive straight in to Tommy Wiseau's masterpiece, The Room. (laughs) Master something. (laughs) All right, look. Now, I had a dilemma. I want to talk to you a little bit about this at the top here, and maybe we can discuss this for people that are listening that love or hate the room or whatever. Probably kind of wonder this as well. It was really, really tough for me because I never seen it. And, you know, I I watched it by myself, which I think may have hurt the experience as well for me at home on on a, a copy that you sent me on my computer. So it wasn't like the best set up for this kind of movie i don't feel like now my dilemma nick that clearly you don't have giving it the 10 out of 10 that you did is am i grading it as a film okay or am i grading my experience of the film now hearing all the sound drops on the old efg days that you've done and live stream for the cure and all the different clips and memes and the disaster artists, which I loved. So I've seen a lot of stuff that has to do with Tommy Wiseau and that has to do with the room that I really respect and I really like. But when I just look at this film, okay, that's where my two comes from because this is one of the fucking worst things (laughs) I've ever seen from a movie making perspective. And I'm talking acting scripts, I mean, music, I mean, we could go and we probably will dive into some of these. But if I'm talking about like, because there were times I laughed a lot during this and I was texting you as I was watching it, like, yep, it just it makes you laugh. But also, you know, that wasn't Tommy's intent when he wrote it, too, which I I don't know. You love this movie, man. You saw it in the theater a couple months ago for the anniversary. I know you're a huge fan. I'm sorry, brother. Like, I... It's weird because it's like I gave it a two, but because of like the lore of this film and all the things that I kind of have had in my psyche from different points when I've seen different things, I don't hate it, though. Does that make sense? Like I gave it a bad score, but it's not like I hate it. And to be honest with you, I would love to see this movie again with you guys, with friends of mine and with a group of people. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, I feel like that would be a different score. Than me hear just it. grading the movie itself. That score is going up by the end of this review, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to slowly, <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely tick up by the end of this review. <laughs> you must be kidding, aren't you? You must be kidding, <laughs> exactly. Gerald. A, a, a two out of ten. But yeah, so yeah. Let, me, let me let me back this up before we I'm before sorry, we man. really get into the meat of this thing. I love this movie. For and when I when I rate movies, like let's just put this right on the table right now. I don't associate like I don't I don't oh I have to be objective versus subjective or any of that kind of different thing. Sure, like it's all about my emotional response to it. It's all about how the movie makes me feel and my enjoyment level of it. Uh, so 
this movie, like when you watch it with a group of people, it's better. I had the privilege, and I will say that a privilege of seeing this in a theater for the 20th anniversary back at the end of June. Fathom Events did a did a thing where, you know, you, you got to go in there and then they had little snippets of interviews with like Greg Sestero, Tommy Wiseau, and uh, like some okay. of the people in the cast and whatever. And then like you got to just like enjoy the movie with a whole bunch of other people who are also in that theater for the exact same reason you are, which is to yell out all of the quotes. <laughs> during the entire thing and sure. to and, and and to just laugh and 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 have fun and whatever now you say like you say like you're, you're just like it's not tommy's intent and i agree with you tommy would disagree because he he tries to rewrite history and be like no 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 i made this genius black comedy i did it, it was all intentional all along sure uh, uh-huh no no it wasn't but i think because it transformed into that like for me there is it. an enjoyment that I derive from this just on, on, on a purely magical kind of passionate level. Because at the end of the day, when you walk away from this movie, and, and people may agree with this, people may disagree with this, no matter how bad it is on the screen, there are some things in this movie that are bafflingly bad. Like baffling <laughs> yeah. decisions good, that were made that it just mystify yeah. any mm-hmm. viewer of anything. But but what is on the screen, I feel like, and, and you and I have both seen so many soulless movies, I would say. So many movies that literally are movies by committee, movies yeah. made by people without any passion who don't care. And I think of anything, I think you cannot say it. And that's one of the things that the disaster artist really highlights about this movie, too, is how, like, maybe, maybe he's as talented as a stick of mud, but... He cared, and he really did try to apply himself passionately to make something really great. It's kind of the same thing with, like, the Neil Breen movies, like I, like when I was just on So Wizard watching it. Like, yeah, it's not good by any, like, objective measure at all, but, like, I had so much fun with it. Like, Whoa. I come away from it on such a high, like, my experience of it is so strong that I can't rate it anything but. I really can't rate it anything but. I, it's so fun. I love you. The first like ten or fifteen <laughs> minutes of this movie. Okay, I'm watching it. We have like a living room area in the front of the house, and we have like a uh, den in the back of the house. And I decided to put this on because I had to hook my computer up because you sent it to me. So I put it on in the front of the house. Well, I don't usually watch movies, <laughs> and it's right below my kids' bedrooms. All right. <laughs> and the first, the first ten, fifteen minutes or so is literally nothing but. Tommy's ass and <laughs> you know having sex and this this little kid that lives next door to them gets in the bed with him at one point Denny I guess he's supposed to be 15 or 16 I don't know it was a lot of weird noises and shit and it was like <laughs> Ted, it was like Teddy Pendergrass Motown music playing fucking rose petals and shit I mean it was like I was turning the volume down because I'm like, my kids are going to think I'm down here doing their mother. Like, this is crazy. Uh, so <laughs> when it, it just became really awkward, like right off the bat. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck am I in for here? I mean, I knew the movie was ridiculous based on just the lore of it. But I was like, what am I doing? What is this? I was texting you like. And then we get through that. <laughs> Ten minutes. OK, we get through that. Awkward like cringy i would say okay 
And then there's another sex scene, not even a few minutes later, with Greg and uh, what's the Lisa? And, Julia Danielle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, I should say Mark. I'm sorry. Mark and Lisa on the stairs, which, by the way, what what position were they in? I don't know. And there's one point where I'm pretty sure she figured his asshole. Did right? I texted you that. Is that right or no? Did that happen? Or did I just witness? I think I, there's that a happened. shot. There's a shot where she like slips her hand into like yeah. the back of his pants, but like it yeah. never goes down past like the first knuckle, Gerald. Like it's not like the whole hand just disappears in there. And then I'm we cut like, to a reaction shot of of Greg Sestero where he's just like, Woo-hoo! yeah, right. I wish. No, I, dude, this is where I'm at. Okay, in the first <laughs> 15, 20 minutes of this movie, I'm just like, this is the most awkward, cringy virtually no dialogue yet to this point uh just a lot of rolling around in the hay with different characters and i mean is it it's fair to say that the movie is very disjointed in terms of like what's the narrative like what is the story here like i get there's like uh you know she thinks tommy's not good enough for her or like she doesn't love him anymore or whatever and she's in love with his best friend mark so there's a bit of a love triangle thing going on there. But oh man, I it was so cringy, Nick. It was really, you know, really Did tough. you know that Johnny and Mark are best friends? In the movie? Yeah. Um because the movie tells you that about fifty thousand times. It, but it tell <laughs> but I I thought you meant like, did I know it from like just witnessing it no i mean it told me yeah if it told yeah. me and there was a lot of redundancy anyway in the in the dialogue <laughs> tons uh, i'm trying to think of the one thing the mom kept saying oh and the mom you know the mom's telling lisa like johnny's the greatest like you can't leave him you know and she tell every time she comes over to the house she tells her that you mm-hmm. know <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that it's fair to critique it really because of what it's become. And it is a bad movie. I mean, you think that, I think that anybody that even loves it more than you do thinks that. I mean, it's just a bad, it's just not a well made film. Yeah. I mean, it has uh, the, like the different things of, of like, I mean, especially the, the, the thing that always really gets me about this movie is like the third act. Like, in the third act, you have, like, brand new characters that show up that have never been in the movie before. Like, Steven shows up at oh one point, God. and you have Peter shows up at one point. Like, it's 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 amazing to me to, to, to see these random characters, like, especially Steven, who, like, confronts Lisa at the, <laughs> at the party because she... And then, like, I mean, like... Lisa's character is like so reprehensible, handsomely written. Like she's having an affair with, she's having an affair with Mark, and then she's making up lies about Johnny, saying that he hit her and everything like that. And then she makes up that she's pregnant, but she's not. (laughs) Yeah, and she says it was like for fun or something, or to see what he would do or something like that. I'm like, what? (laughs) And then remember, and then the one time when he's like. You know I don't drink, and she like pours him this really stiff drink and makes and gets him drunk basically. Like, yeah, she's not. She is a horrid character. Uh, and the you best thing tell about that, that was... scene is it. She comes out. There's two different scenes where like 
whiskey glasses are involved in this movie that I love equally. The first one is that scene where she orders a pizza before he gets home from work. He comes home from work. She asks if he wants her to order a pizza. He says, yes, I want you to, or no, or I can't even remember his response. And then she's like, but I already ordered a pizza. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's like, oh, you know me so well. You think of everything. And, And like, but that scene, like she brings out these whiskey glasses, which clearly already have what's implied to be like whiskey in them. Like it's brown liquor. At least it looks like it. Then she tops it up with vodka yeah and 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 gives it to him and 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 that is a i'm tired i'm wasted i love you darling then later on in the movie when he's talking to peter in the apartment he takes out those two same whiskey glasses and pours water into them from a water bottle like it's very clearly a water bottle but he pours him like literally like it's it's like you would pour if you were pouring somebody like a single or a double of like hard liquor like literally (laughs) pours like two ounces of water into this glass and hands it to him. And then they're both holding them like their liquor, like literally yeah. the whole scene. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's so and good. There, there's so many like awkward things that I want to talk a little bit about the disaster artist too, because I did a double <gasps> feature. I watched the room and then I watched the disaster artist right after it. And right after. Yeah. And wow. I think that, I think that, actually made me kind of enjoy the room a little bit more. Now I had seen the disaster artist a couple of years ago when it came out. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't really remember a lot about it, but I had already seen it, but it was, it was cool to connect the dots a little bit and to see the recreation of a lot of those kind of cringy scenes that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it also shed a little light on Tommy's like state of mind when he was making the movie or directing the film, especially and the choices he was making because like there's that one scene on the roof, which by the way, everything happening on this roof was really weird to me, but we'll get there, I guess. Audio audience can't see it, but it's I've got I've got that rooftop scene right behind me. My favorite thing about this scene here is this this comes up in the disaster artist where they're like, why don't we just shoot outside? And Tommy was like, no, we have to make it like a real movie. Right. So this is green screened for no reason whatsoever. And when the it's like funniest the part Every single time they have to leave the roof, they have to go into this weird shed thing that's built on top of the set. Like, and there's nothing in it. Like, it's clearly just a box that they have to walk mm-hmm. into. The yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple. Thi- I have a couple things about this rooftop that, like, I paused it because I was like, "What?" I was like, "How did this make it past the cutting room floor?" But like, there's, oh. and that's what I was going to say about the disaster artist connecting the dots a little bit. But there's one yep. scene when. Mark is telling the story about this girl he dated and uh, she got beat up or whatever by like 30 dudes. <laughs> and Tommy just starts laughing. Yep, and yep. What a story, remember, Mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember watching The Room, when I, you know, that movie, and I remember going, why is he, wh- why is he laughing at that? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then I watched The Disaster Artist. They, they talk about that. And Seth yeah. Rogen's like, hey, dude, like maybe do it without laughing. It's not really a funny story. And you could tell Greg Sestero was upset, too, that it wasn't played a little more dramatically. (laughs) But stuff like that, though, would play to your point a little bit earlier, what you were saying about Tommy's kind of masterminding it to be like this comedy or whatever. Because no one in their right mind, not that he was, but no one in their right mind would laugh at that story. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And he wants to say, another thing I want to ask you about this rooftop, Nick. Out of nowhere. 
okay, we have this weird love triangle going on. We have all this fucking sex happening all over the apartment and on the stairs and all this rose petals and shit and everything's going on. And then out of nowhere, this fucking gangster guy shows up <laughs> with a gun to Denny's head on the rooftop wanting to know where his money is. And while he's fucking holding him up at gunpoint, the whole family appears on the rooftop, including the mother who has cancer or whatever. Like, where do they all come from? Why is everybody on the roof? Like, what? Nick, help me out here. Like, what? I'm not supposed to worry about this, right? Excuse you. She definitely has breast cancer. Okay. Yes, yeah, she absolutely she does. She definitely they don't, we don't... has it. <laughs> we don't, yeah, we don't learn anything else about that. There's no resolution oh, to that plot whatsoever as, 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 we go, as we go through the film. But it's Chris R., man. It's Chris R. And Chris then they had, R. Was it Zach Efron played him in Disaster That's right, Artist yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. It, oh my god, that's always like so. And then there's like the, my favorite part of that scene is always what kind of money, like like Lisa and her mother literally just like shrieking at yeah. Teddy. Yeah. Like on the roof, like just sitting there screaming at him. What kind oh of drugs god. do you take? <laughs> exactly just in his face and i think this the mom is like what kind of money is it or something like that like a question that doesn't even make any sense what do you mean what kind of money what are you talking about i mean and the funny thing too is like is she meets denny like literally like barely before that but like immediately like interjects herself into this kid's life it's like how did you get mixed up with drugs it's like lady you just met this kid like four minutes ago right (laughs) you don't know anything about this kid right uh, what was the deal with the, what, help? What was the deal with Denny? I mean, it's just a kid that lived next door to them, right? Like, I'm confused. Yeah, was, like, why was, was Johnny wanted to adopt him? I guess. Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is weird, man. For whatever, for whatever reason. And he's really, really got a thing for Lisa. Like, really wants to, like, make out with he her. He wants to jump in bed while they're getting it on. Like. All that can like walks into the apartment at one point is like, "Well, you look really good. Can I kiss you?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a move. It doesn't work, Denny. I'll just tell you, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my goodness! That's why I rate it ten out of ten because just thinking about it just freaks me to tears of laughter like because i could see yes that. it's ridiculous it's silly it's dumb and everything but my god i enjoy my time with it i enjoy my time with it so much and and i, I wear my heart on my sleeve as a person in life and that's how i rate movies too I, I rate my movies with my heart on my sleeve like they are my my rating is a reflection of my emotional reaction to them that's why i can go to a movie like this i don't care i don't care how technically bad it is because yes it is flabbergastingly just terrible <laughs> like it is like i said like you've got random characters oh, that show up that, like how about when the two characters show up at their apartment you've never seen these characters before they just come into the apartment and then like the girl starts blowing him on the couch like after they make out like swapping the chocolates <laughs> right. and everything back and forth it's like you've never even seen these characters before right. ever you have no idea who they even are but they right. just randomly show up at the apartment and start going at it or whatever and then lisa and her mom show up and then <sighs> well the only other thing about the movie i just want to ask you about was the ending and i want to know how you how that kind of sits with you with him uh killing himself at the end because you know i guess he can't be with lisa 
and his friendship with Mark and everything is falling apart. By the way, before we get there, though, one of the funniest things in the movie, and I want to ask you as a avid fan of this film, if this is one of the one liners that people love. I one of my most laugh out loud moments in this movie was a really subtle thing when Lisa calls Mark and she's like, this is er like first half of the movie, earlier part of the movie. And she's like, I really miss you. And he's like, what do you mean? I just saw you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Well, the, the great thing about that, too, is I that's was like cracking up. That's right before he comes over. And then that's like the second sex scene in the movie. And so, yeah. like, she calls him and he's he's basically just like, yeah, I'm really busy. What do you want? Like, he's so bored. Right. Like, he's just he's just so, like, not interested in, like, the whole conversation they're having. And then literally the next scene is him showing up at the apartment and then they get it on. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I just saw you. <laughs> that was cracking up. That one and in a few minutes, bitch, when he's in the bathroom. I, I laughed at that one pretty hard, too. <laughs> Come out of the bathroom, Tommy. In a few minutes, bitch. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to die. Oh, oh man. my God. Uh, how did, oh, what about the ending? How did that sit with you, with him killing himself? And Well, Gerald, everybody betray him. He's fed up with this world. Mm -hmm. so yeah. what do you want him to do he, he, he didn't have no way out yeah yeah like he I loves mean, lisa so much and like you know they're supposed to get married and are you sure about that maybe i'll change dot 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 my mind <laughs> love that random random pause there maybe i'll change my mind <laughs> yeah yeah um Man, I don't even know what else to say about the room. I got to be honest. Uh, for me, in wrapping up, I am looking forward to seeing this again with a group of people. So there's something to be said for that. Just kind of the novelty of it and if uh, wanting to experience it that way, as opposed to trying to turn it down while my kids are sleeping on the couch in my house. If there is ever a time that for whatever reason they're doing a screening of it at a theater near you please buy a ticket and go some people may nobody did at my screening and i was kind of sad that i didn't think about it but people will bring plastic spoons did you notice all the framed photos of cutlery in tommy's apartment for no reason no like, I yeah, wish I it's had. literally like plastic spoons like framed photos of plastic spoons and like cutlery and stuff that's all over his apartment so oh, wow. every time like every time people see them in like in the theatrical screenings they'll shout out spoons and like sometimes if people have spoons they'll throw them around the theater oh, and like wow, when okay. they played football like all the random scenes of them playing football like people will bring footballs to theaters and just toss the football back and forth on their I mean they didn't have anybody that could tell them like hey guys this is not how people throw football <laughs> there was nobody on set that could tell them that oh my god if it's if it is ever playing if it's if it's ever playing in a theater because it, it really is it's 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 a difficult thing to especially because you know it's one of those kind of cult movies that's hyped up so bad it's good people really really love it in 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 the way that i love it like the way that i just derive so much pleasure from, like i can't i can't even think about rating it anything but a 10 out of 10 like i love it <laughs> so great, much man. i literally do and like i th i think that like it watching it by yourself when you know the reputation it has when you've already heard of it when you've already got all that in your brain but watching it alone 
and just kind of trying to watch it from a film criticism perspective, then it's no surprise to me that you come out of this like, what on earth are you people on? Right. And like, you know, what are you smoking? And like two out of 10, like that does not shock me or surprise me literally at all. And and I think that I think that if you can experience it and maybe you still won't even like it, but I guarantee you, you're going to go to that movie. 100 minutes or whatever the runtime of this movie. I think it's about 100 minutes. 99. You go to this movie, you will have the best time of your life in that 100 minutes in the theater. Because it's that whole audience is just there for sure. that vibe. People are just yelling out like random things. Like I kept doing it at my screening. Like every time like Mark and um, Johnny would have different dialogues and stuff. And like me and like other people in the theater would just keep yelling out. But he's his best friend. <laughs> every every time because they say it so many times can i ask you what can i ask you what you thought of it the first time you saw it do you remember that do you recall oh god did it grow on you over time or were you out of it definitely grew on me over time it definitely grew on me over time uh because i think i think i kind of probably had the same reaction that you did not two out of ten low probably but i think i probably had the same kind of reaction that you did where i was just kind of off put by it i was just like wait why do people like this like why do people enjoy this but then (laughs) i i think it's it's one of those movies where more so than a lot of other movies you'll ever hear or see or anything like that it's one of those movies you just you just have to let it happen to you you just have to let what it is going to do like you you and see now maybe and and i don't know maybe we'll see we'll see what happens if it ever opens in the theater down there you ever see it like with a big group of people or whatever it'll be interesting now that you know now that you've seen it now that you experience it it'll be interesting to see how you react to it in a group Mm -hmm. like in a group of people if you're able to kind of let it go and just enjoy it for what it is or if you'll still be like what are these people what's well you know yeah the interesting thing to me to your point there too is that the fact that I gave it a two out of ten and I thought it was a pretty awful movie, but I still want to see it again, uh, kind of tells the tale of this film. Really, I mean, I feel like this movie is more so about the experience of watching it as opposed to so. as opposed to like the craft of the film itself. Um, so this is my initial grade, but who knows, man? I'll give it another shot or another few shots and. You know, try to have fun with it because I'm not a super serious, quote unquote, movie critic. I mean, I got no problem having fun when I watch films. I like a lot of shitty films that you probably hate and vice versa. So uh, I'll give it another go, man. But for now, it's a two out of 10 for me and a 10 out of 10 for Nick on The Room, which I guess makes the P score. uh, I don't know. What is that? It's a six, correct? (laughs) Six out of 10, I think. Wow. It's a six out of ten how, for our first how, roulette review. Are you still hung over from like vacation and everything like that? Okay. I am. I was drunk at a baseball game like two hours ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to get ready for the room discussion. So you should have been drunk to watch the room. I mean, that probably would have yeah. done it right there for, for, for that. But yeah, so still That's a passing right. grade. We're we're dragging up. See, now how I'm gonna drag down the average of all these horror movies. I'm gonna drag up the average of your Tommy was movies, a film. Like your movies and wallets. Wait until <laughs> I don't know when it comes out. It's either this year or next year, but Big Shark. He's he's Big Shark is his next movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that being announced. Yeah. Cannot wait. Gonna be crazy. The the problem's gonna be the the problem is gonna be, and this is and and it's been a long time since he's done 
than since he's directed anything. He was in Best Friends, which I saw part one of. Our, I saw a work print of it because we were pretty sure Lois got, Lois Loss got chained to one of Greg Sestero's radiators at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lois Loss got access to a like a work print of Best Friends Volume 1 back in the EFG days. And I didn't dislike that. Like, Tommy doesn't direct that, but he's acting in it. And I think he's much better in that than he is in the room in terms of his performance anyway, just because he's not directing himself. I never watched part two of that, though. But the the worrisome thing about Big Shark could be because it's him directing it. I don't think he's acting in it, actually. I'm pretty sure he's not. But because it's him directing it, like, if he intentionally tries to make a movie with this kind of tone, like the tone of the room, like if he intentionally tries to make a quote unquote bad movie, that's that's really going to be the testament too. is like, what type of movie is he going to try to make? Is he going to give it an earnest effort to make a good movie? And then if it fails, it becomes like this and it becomes just like a bad movie masterpiece right. like this. Or is he going to try to do something on the level of this where he's going to try to replicate the success of yeah. the room by creating this thing that I agree because whatever. the room is definitely like an organic uh thing that happened because of the intent initially versus the reception from the public. So it was very organic in that way because the disaster artist is really where I'm getting my take on this. But my take is that Tommy did not anticipate this to be made fun of and be a comedy and people to throw spoons in the theater. Oh, no. It was much more like uh, I think there was like a story going around at some point where he released it specifically so that it could be eligible for Oscars like that kind of like mentality when he released the room. I mean, this was a serious movie to him. Um and it became what it became, which is fine. And it's like you said, it's a cult phenomenon at this point. But if you try to do that from the outset with a movie like Big Shark, I don't think it would work um, or it would be yeah, too I don't obvious, think so you know? So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it would. But yeah, you're exactly right. Like, I mean, he has tried to, like I said, he has tried to rewrite history and say, oh, no, I meant it. I meant it to be this ingenious, bad movie, masterpiece, black comedy, like all along. No, he didn't. Like he definitely didn't like, and and, and and we know that like, you know, but like I said, I, I, I think there's a passion to it. I think no matter how little talent he may or may not have as a filmmaker, I think that that passion is in there. And I think it was an earnest attempt at making something and, you know, nothing for nothing. But I mean, at least he did something. At least he made something. Yeah. You know? And that's what I love, too, um, is, that, you know, because uh, speak to the disaster arts again, where they're like, you know, they couldn't get a break in Hollywood. So they're like, yeah. well, let's just make our own fucking movie. You know, Tommy had money from whatever he had it from. So they just did it. Which themselves. nobody still knows. Nobody yeah. knows where the six, six million dollars this movie had a budget of six million dollars. No one knows where the money for this movie came from. Nobody. Wow. <laughs> that adds to the craziness of just like what you see. Because if somebody says, I got an indie film that costs six million, you'd be like, it's pretty, pretty good. This could be good. <laughs> you sit down and you a, see this and you go for what? this for this movie that budget is insane because where is that six million dollars exactly exactly i mean we, we, we know he bought a bunch of cameras that he didn't need to buy like when he was making it yeah. and, and and different things like that the but sets. i mean yeah, yeah six million dollars really where on earth did that six million dollars go and where did it come from in the first place like tommy's still a really mysterious character like nobody knows where he's from like his country of origin like where because obviously he moved to the united states at some point nobody Mm -hmm. knows where he's from nobody knows where he got all this money to invest in making the room who knows 
It's a mystery. Who knows? Well, that was the two-piece discussion on Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Nick, thanks for choosing it, man. We're going to roll the roulette wheel, I think, again next week. Uh, when we discuss Blue Beetle, we will throw up the wheel and give it another spin. Uh, but in the meantime, as always, Nick, we go over to the comments section and see what the fans had to ask us in relation to the movie or something tangentially related to The Room. And we got a lot of kind of comedic takes over there, which you would expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not surprised but i kind of have an easy one uh for me and i kind of wanted to use it for my question then i'll see which question you chose if that's cool with you but our buddy jared taylor destruction in human form patron of the show uh the absolute man i love jared as i know you do as well but he just says which is better the room or the disaster artist and i actually responded to his comment that says this is the layup of questions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I went back on my letterbox when I saw the disaster artist when it came out initially, and I had given that a four out of five at the time, which would essentially be an eight out of 10. I absolutely loved that movie. I love the authentic approach. Like we already talked about of Franco. And I also thought it was kind of special that he cast his brother in the best friend slash, you know, Greg Sestero role there. Uh, and it was just a really genuine recreation that, like you said, it wasn't mocking the room. It was paying homage to it, but was also kind of telling how telling us how ridiculous it was. And I thought it was done beautifully. And it was uh, it's one of my favorite biopics in recent years. It's one of my favorite like movies about Hollywood, if you can kind of put it in that category. Yeah, uh, I think it's just really, really well done. And I think seeing the room and the disaster artist back to back, like I did this past weekend, is makes it even better because I can finally kind of bring it all together. Cause when I saw it initially, I only knew about the room and had seen some clips and stuff. And, uh, but I didn't, I had never seen the room, uh, entirely. So easy, easy answer, Jared, for me, it's the disaster artist, Nick. <laughs> I wanted to see what you had to say about <laughs> this because it's kind of an interesting question for somebody that's in love with the room. What do you think? I think it's kind of like you said, I think that when they made the disaster artist, they didn't make it to mock the room. They made it because they genuinely love it. They genuinely love it. And they, and they, and yeah, they told the story of like all the crazy behind the scenes and like how, like it's, it's not like in terms of like a standard film well made in by any by any sense of the imagination. But yet I think they tapped into a little bit of the passion that Tommy clearly had when he made this movie when he made the room Uh, for me i think i have to pick the room only because the disaster artist wouldn't exist without it there would be no story to tell there there would be no book that greg sestero wrote about his experience working on the movie and I, i i think that that passion that you see in the disaster artist i think that that is born of their love of the room and and that i think stems from what they see in the movie as well which is again that that earnest effort that that passion to actually try to just to just get out there and make a movie you know Mm -hmm. even though it's it's cuckoo bananas (laughs) sure yeah you know so i gotta i gotta pick the room on that one i gotta pick the room only because like i said i the disaster artist would not exist without it i get it i get it all right, man. What? Uh, go ahead and grab a question out of the comment section for yourself this week. What do you want to throw out there? Well, see, I was going to pick Jason Nerd Revert's question w- between where do you draw the line between so bad it's good and this is hot garbage. But I think I kind of just answered it because to me, hot garbage is that soulless 
like we're all just showing up for a paycheck. We're phoning this in. We're not even trying, you know, and we're and we're just we're just we're just trying to we're just trying to 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 to, to cash it in. You know, the soulless corporate Hollywood products that you know we get a lot when we get especially like these these superhero movies anymore, which are just like such like massive huge budget things. It's just like they don't have any real they don't have any real anything really special or anything like that about them anymore. You know, I think that that kind of movie, I, I, I think that when you as an audience can feel, you can tell. Think about Barbie. OK, when we saw Barbie, like there was an earnest attempt there to make something that like Greta Gerwig was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like there was clearly passion poured into every single inch of that movie from production, from literally every aspect of it. Like that was clearly a movie that was made with passion. And I think that's why it's resonating so much with audiences. And that's why it's continuing to be the juggernaut that it is because it's really, really well made. And people really feel like it was a really passionate effort. And yeah. I think when it's not, I think you can tell, and I think that's where you start to teeter into hot garbo territory for me. Uh, I think when you, when when you have a movie that somebody clearly applied themselves to passionately, that's when it starts to tip over into that line of so bad it's good. You can start to enjoy it, maybe in an ironic way or whatever, but at the very least, you know, like they tried, they cared, you know. And I think trying and caring in this world is by far like the most important thing about it you know what i mean yeah i agree and i think that uh to kind of throw my quick answer at nerds reverts question there i think that it really kind of comes down to the eye of the beholder too because yeah for sure when i was talking about the paulie shore movies earlier like there's a ton of people that hate those movies i just love them i i watch son-in-law and i go this movie sucks this is a bad movie but I enjoy it so much. I love it. I rewatch it all the time. And you probably feel the same way about a movie like The Room. Yeah. So it really kind of just comes down to like your personal preference or like when it hits you in your life. Because I think a movie can be both hot garbage and so bad it's good. Like it's just kind of depends on who's watching it and what it means to them. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely does. Yeah. And thanks, guys, for all the comments this week in the comment section, all the questions. We got a couple of How's Your Sex Lives. Uh, which was great. <laughs> and then Amanda, Amanda, dear friend of the show, uh, said, has anyone ever thrown a football around like these people in real life? I don't think so. We touched on that a little bit earlier. Uh, next week on the show, Nick, now you were talking about soulless cinema. All right. Not to give away any spoilers because I have seen it already and I'm excited to actually talk about it with you next week. But we're going to review DC's latest Blue Beetle. All right. I assume you have not seen it yet, Nick, or have you? Not yet. No, and and All my right. God, just the idea that I have to drag myself to a theater to see another superhero movie. Let me tell you, oh, check it out, and then we'll talk man. about it next week. We're going to be doing the Blue Beetle next week, guys. And I saw it with my son, and I will hold my thoughts until you and I get together next week. And then we're also going to spin the wheel again next week and find out what our next roulette review is going to be. We hope you enjoyed the one this week for the room, Nick. As always, brother, I would say a quote from The Room, but I can't think of one. I got nothing. I got nothing. Thanks for making me watch The Room, I guess. I appreciate you. (laughs) You must be kidding, aren't you? I'm glad. I am glad at the very least that now you've seen it. And now, like I said, if it comes in a theater, you buy that ticket. Buy that ticket. Go see it. Yeah, I'll have to go check it out in the theater for sure. 
All right, guys. We'll see you next week when we talk Blue Beetle. Nick, I love you. I'll see you then, man.